From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shep, budget and appropriations reporter. And this week, we're going to be talking about earmarks because after nearly a decade of them being banned in the House and Senate, there's another push by congressional leaders as well as some rank and file lawmakers to bring back that process in the next session of Congress, so as soon as January. And in the last couple weeks, we've heard about proposals from House Democratic leader Study Hoyer, House Whip James Clyburn, um, and also some suggestions from a bipartisan panel that was tasked with modernizing Congress. But to start off today, David, do you want to take us back to some of the scandals that really gave earmarks a bad name um, and led to that 2011 ban being put in place? Yeah, it's a fascinating history. For anyone who doesn't know, of course, earmarks are these congressionally directed spending projects that get that used to get inserted into spending bills. And for a long time, they were considered a very valuable way of getting spending bills passed because it's a way to build broad political support for a bill if your local project gets funded in it. Uh, and so, and and many lawmakers argue, as they have now more recently, that that they should have the right to direct spending. That's what Congress is there for. Congress is the power of the purse, and it shouldn't be just left to unelected bureaucrats sitting in a federal agency to decide exactly how the money gets divvied up, but Congress should have a say in in local projects. Until it got out of hand, and it did get out of hand uh, in the early 2000s, what happened was they ended up with some real scandals that really tainted uh, the image of Congress and the whole spending process as corrupt. And so earmarks then became a code for corruption and brought their downfall. And probably the most colorful scandal at the time, people may remember, was around 2005 when it came to light that one of the defense appropriators, uh, Randy Duke Cunningham, a Republican from California, he sat on the defense appropriations subcommittee in the House. So he was in a key position uh, to get defense contracts. And it turns out he had been accepting over $2 million in bribes from these two little-known defense contractors, one of whom even like bought his house in California for over a million and a half dollars. And then it turned out Cunningham was living on a yacht that he didn't even own when he lived in when he was working in Washington. And the the yacht was actually owned by one of these contractors. And Cunningham was just paying maintenance or something on it, but never had to pay for it. And lo and behold, these little-known defense contractors who used to get no business at the Pentagon, they were getting tens of millions of dollars in contracts all of a sudden through Cunningham, who then went to prison. And so in light of the Cunningham scandal in particular, I think, on the Republican side, that's when the former House Speaker, John Boehner, Republican from Ohio, pushed through the earmarks ban which began in 2011. And since then, it has been largely respected that there's been a ban on earmarks so that that lawmakers have been unable to dictate local projects in the annual appropriations bills. 
Yeah. And so I think one thing that we should point out is that before Republicans put that ban in place in January of 2011, Democrats actually tried to rein in some of the issues with earmarks between 2007 and 2009. So when Democrats still had control of the House, they said that, you know, members had to submit their name with their requests. So earmarks couldn't be anonymous anymore. Lawmakers also had to say publicly that they had no financial interest in their request. Um, And earmarks could only go to nonprofit organizations or public sector projects. And so Democrats did attempt to put some guardrails on the earmarking process. But Republicans along the way still said that it was too out of control. Um, It only sort of rewarded more senior members in Congress and wasn't really designed to put the most money towards the districts that had the most need. And that's something that Democrats have been very cognizant of as they talk about bringing back earmarks possibly next year. And so in 2011, when then former Speaker John Boehner, you know, sort of supported by a lot of Tea Party conservative Republicans, they ban earmarks. And at the time, he said that this was going to rein in government spending um, and restore trust in Congress. Neither of those things really happened. Um, And so one of the things that I have found interesting in covering this sort of debate the last few years is that there's a lot of interest from Republicans and Democrats about bringing back earmarks. And Republicans were actually on track to do that in November of 2016, when House Republicans were debating their rules for the next session of Congress. This was right after Trump was elected. And some Republicans who'd been around for years said that they should be allowed to earmark for local, state, and federal projects. Um, And then there was another proposal that would allow earmarks for Army Corps of Engineers projects. Um, And so the way that House Republicans were setting up their rules, they were doing this in a closed-door meeting. And from my interviews with lawmakers at the time, those two proposals were actually on track to be added to the House Republican Rules Package when then-Speaker Paul Ryan, not a fan of earmarks, sort of stepped in and put the whole thing on hold saying, you know, Trump was just elected on a drain the swamp message. We can't bring back earmarks right now. Like the headlines will be horrible essentially. And so they opted to keep the earmarks ban in place. And one interesting thing to know about the House earmarks ban is that it was only written in House GOP rules. So when Democrats took over during this session of Congress and their rules took over, you know, because they're in the majority, there actually wasn't a formal earmarks ban in place. So the House could have been earmarking if they wanted to during this session of Congress, but they haven't figured out exactly how they want to put new guardrails and new transparency mechanisms in place. Um, So that has mostly been on hold until now. Yeah. And, and, you know, you raise a good point, Jen, I think, because one of the arguments against earmarks that had been made was that it would help cut down on wasteful spending. Uh, and in a time when we're having record high deficits, shouldn't we eliminate earmarks because it would cut spending? That really is a side issue. I mean, even when they were at their peak, earmarks are such a tiny fraction of spending. They don't account for deficits. They, it's, it's almost irrelevant. They're a rounding error in terms of how much government spends. 
And so that is not really, I don't think, a legitimate argument for getting rid of earmarks. They make no significant difference in how much the government is spending overall. Um, but the corruption, I think, the corruption concern was real and proven. And so that's the tension now is how do you, if you want to resume earmarks, how do you do it in a way that guards against corruption with more safeguards and transparency? And so that's what lawmakers are wrestling with now. And we did see a proposal emerge very recently from this uh, special house panel that was created to modernize Congress and, and revamp how it works, essentially. It was the Modernization Committee in Congress, uh, which is sort of a, a, a one-time effort to, to make recommendations on, on reforms. And one of the things they did recommend was a new system for using earmarks uh, that would create this sort of competitive grant program that would originate at the local level, and everything had to be disclosed so that there would be a, a new government website created. So as soon as a project were to apply for one of these grants, they would be disclosed on a website. It wouldn't just suddenly pop into a spending bill at the last minute and no one knew it was in there. And that there would be an inspector general with the power to review all those projects and could actually claw back the money if he or she suspected that it was going to be used improperly. So those are the kind of proposals we're seeing in terms of could there be a way to bring earmarks back more safely? Although we should say that there is no one proposal on the table here that we don't know in what form they might take if, if, if they were to revive them yet. Yeah, and it's not just this bipartisan modernization panel that is proposing earmarks come back. This is something that for years we've heard from you know Democrats and Republicans, especially those on the Appropriations Committee, that when Congress banned earmarks, what they did was just sort of shift earmarking from the legislative branch to the executive branch. And there's been a lot of discussions um, among Republicans and Democrats about whether or not lawmakers ceded too much of their Article I constitutional authority to people who are not elected. And there's been a lot of talk about how, you know, sort of, as you were saying earlier, unelected bureaucrats in Washington, they don't know these districts as well as their House members do. You know, they don't hear from local government officials or state government officials the way that a congressperson does in terms of, you know, bridges that may need rebuilt or schools that may have an asbestos issue or things like that. And so one of the things that we've heard from earmark proponents all along is that there's a better way of handling earmarking in a way that will get funding to districts that are most in need of it. And so that's going to be the really interesting thing to watch the next couple of months is how Democrats work with their Republican colleagues to solidify one proposal to put in the House Rules Package which they'll probably be putting together in late November or early December. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how they work through what's sort of a broad set of proposals from leadership and this modernization panel and rank and file lawmakers and sort of figure out how exactly they want to handle this. Because while there are some rank and file Republicans, particularly appropriators who support this, House GOP leaders, particularly Kevin McCarthy, do not. And so if there's even, you know, one comma out of 
place or anything like that. There's a lot of concerns that this is going to go back to being sort of a partisan talking point. And so I think there's a lot of interest from people who support bringing back earmarks uh, to really get it right on the first try. Which is why when Democrats took over the House, I mean, they had considered bringing back earmarks, but then uh, the House Appropriations Chairwoman Nita Lowy, Democrat of New York, decided not to do it this year. But Lowy is retiring, and you, Jen, you've been covering the race to succeed her, and you have seen some expression of support for earmarks there, right? Yeah, so there's three candidates, um, all chairwomen of subcommittees on the House Appropriations Panel, who have sort of raised their hands and said that they would like to succeed Chairwoman Lowy as the top Democrat on the House Appropriations Committee. That's um, Marcy Kaptur of Ohio, uh, Rosa DeLauro of Connecticut, and Debbie Wasserman Schultz of Florida. Um, and so we know that Congresswoman Kaptur and Congresswoman Wasserman Schultz, they have both publicly said that they support bringing back earmarks. Um, Representative Kaptur has not given a sort of, you know, bulleted out proposal of how she would want to see those changed or if she just thinks the 2007 and 2009 transparency mechanisms are enough. Um, Representative Wasserman Schultz has put out a detailed list of ways that she thinks that Democrats could bring those back that would be irresponsible. Um, But the interesting thing in that race is that Congresswoman DeLauro, who many consider a front runner, she actually hasn't said one way or another um, whether or not she'll definitely advocate for a return to earmarking or whether or not she might want to hold off on that for a little bit longer. And what she has said is that she thinks that the next group of lawmakers should have a voice in this. Um, And so she sort of wants to hear from any new members who may be coming to Congress in January. And that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch in that race as these proposals move forward and as we get a better sense of whether or not Democrats are absolutely adding this to the rules package for the next Congress. Yeah. And there's been no interest, though, in earmarks from the Republican-controlled Senate, right? Well, there is some interest. Senate Appropriations Chairman Richard Shelby of Alabama, he has been vocal throughout the entire ban in that chamber that he would like to see a return to earmarks. But Senate Republicans have sort of what they call a permanent ban on earmarks that they put in place a couple of years ago. Um, And so while Chairman Shelby and a few other Republicans, mostly appropriators, have advocated to bring back earmarks, it doesn't seem like that will happen in that chamber if Republicans stay in control over there. So then we'd have this interesting tug of war between Democrats in the House who want earmarks and may, may start using them, and then Republicans in the Senate who will oppose them, and then we don't know what would happen. Uh, but that assumes a Republican-controlled Senate next year. So if Democrats take over, then, then maybe the way is cleared to, for earmarks in both chambers? Yeah, it seems like that could be a real possibility if Democrats are in control of both chambers. But one of the things that I've heard all along through the past several years from Democrats who support earmarks is that if they bring them back, it really does need to be bipartisan so that if there is an issue, you know, if someone does manage to find a loophole in the new transparency mechanisms or the new guardrails, that it can't turn into a partisan talking point for elections. 
And that, um, as well as some concerns about, you know, how the practice would be used and whether or not it would just be for more senior members who have connections and clout, is one of the reasons that House Democrats did not bring back earmarks this session of Congress. Because like you mentioned, Chairwoman Lowy was having conversations about that with leadership, as well as what we call frontline Democrats, those moderate Democrats in, you know, purple or even some slightly red districts. And they had a lot of concerns about what this practice would mean um, for them and their districts, as well as whether or not, you know, even if you put all of the transparency mechanisms in place, even if you have a lot of guardrails, even if there isn't any actual corruption, this could still be something that Republicans in these districts say, well, Democrats brought back earmarks and they're wasteful spenders. You know, it's the, the nuances and the details of these policies isn't really something that the average American pays attention to, but they do know what earmarks are and they do have a very negative connotation. Okay. So we are going to be keeping tabs on where this debate goes and whether we do see a return of earmarks for the first time in a decade. It'll be interesting to watch. And if we do, can they find new ways to use earmarks without uh, without the risk of corruption, as we saw in the past? It'll be an interesting thing to be to be monitoring. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.